In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting and Klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. It's July 29th, 2011, and you're listening to episode 4 of the Knit One Geek 2 podcast. I'm Karen. And I'm Maggie. And today we're podcasting from the basement of the Portland Convention Center. Don't tell anybody! We stowed away in the Yarn Harlot's suitcase. Don't tell anybody! No, actually we are in our usual studio, Nautic Sock Summit. But we've still been having adventures in knitting, so do you want to start? Sure, here we go. I actually pulled the Celtic stole out of its little hibernation cubby hole and actually got some progress made on it. It's not a hard stole or pattern to knit, it just Ooh. takes a lot of time, that's all. Yeah, I can see why. And I have to flip back and forth between two charts, one for the outer border and one for the inner panel. My goal is to have one quarter done, which would mean one inner panel completed pattern. Mm -hmm. So about to here. Not that any of you can see, but whatever. But I can. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Done by the end of this holiday weekend. For those of you who are not in Canada, it's a holiday weekend here. Yay! Monday we just call the August Bank Holiday. Which, Various local places yeah. have its own their own sort of names for it. I think Toronto calls it Simcoe Day. Yeah. But mostly it's just like we want a day off in, in August. Yep, pretty much. And uh, everybody agreed to it, so yay, it yay. happened. Now if we could only do that more often. Yeah. So anyways, that's done. I had a little bit of a setback with my Mary Warmers. I didn't quite get the pattern. It's kind of strange because the pattern is, in essence, quite simple. However, I was, there was a little mathematical setback. It is apparently resolved now and I took the advice of a fellow knitter which was basically to take what you have know where you want to go and knit yourself there and pretty much that's what I did I am learning knitterly instincts yay (laughs) which is always a good thing yeah it's kind of scary but it's actually working out as I knit along these are gravitated together SSK or K2 togs basically it starts off with knit two purl two ribbing and then on one of the knit ribs you de- it looks like you decrease on either side of it. This one we're increasing. Okay, once yeah, okay, one oh that makes sense. Yeah. On the top side you increase, on the bottom side you decrease. Right. So that the ribs start to curve together. Yeah. It, it's a got a very geometric vibe to it. It's kind of cool. And it's being knit out of that uh, Shibui with the super fancy name that we made up, which would be Midnight Peacock number 25, because <laughs> their their name convention is a bunch of numbers and is unglamorous. And this is going to be for summer. Hey, Sam! And these are fingerless... Friend summer, not season summer. Yeah, friend summer. Sorry. <laughs> S-O-M-M-E-R. And these are going to be fingerless gloves or fingerless mitts. Yeah, they go not quite up to the elbow. Stop before the elbow. They look really nice. When I was linking the pattern last week. I hadn't seen them very clearly when you were looking at them during the show. Yeah. And then when I was actually linking them for the show notes, I was like, oh, those look interesting. Cute! And for my last project, when uh, Karen finished her Harry Potter stole the uh, potions master stole. She left her bag of crack here. Sorry. Yeah, and she left it where my son found it and came and brought it to me. And I said, Mommy, will take that. Thank you very much. And I decided I'm making a quilt. And I am making it to be completed by December. And, uh, yeah, that crack's pretty good, by the way. Oh, yeah. And all of the pieces are right now cut, and some of them are up on my quilting board right now, so I can visually see what it looks like. It looks really neat. That's the, it's going to be a queen size, so that's the width and what the height's going to be. 
Oh, God. And I haven't even put a border on it yet. Like I said, that crack's pretty good. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I am so, I'm so sorry for leaving it here. I thought I brought it home with me so I could stick it in its little jar and put it on my shelf to forget it for a while. But, um... Uh, thank God I didn't vacuum that crap up. But this quilt is for my brother and sister-in-law, and it is their wedding colors. Now, actually, they got married. It'll be two years ago now, come... December, but this is for them. I don't know if they're listening. If they are, they already know about it, but they can't see it anyway, so hi guys. I can see it. You can't. Neener, neener. <laughs> well, that's what you gotta do between, you know, siblings and stuff like of that. Of course. Yeah. Okay, so there's my crack and my two knitting projects, and somebody had real adventures in knitting today. Oh, yeah. Somebody, Advent- somebody actually left town and went and had an adventure. <laughs> adventures in yarn shopping. Before I get to that, um, I should mention the things I am knitting. Same things I was knitting last week. Though they are much further along. With the Aphrodite socks, I am almost done the foot on the second sock. And I think I'm about the same on the first, at this, about the same spot on the first sock. Ooh. Maybe a couple rows behind. It's basically at the point where maybe like the first 12 stitches are still in the twisted knit pearl rib. On the right sock, I'm doing a decrease on the far left side of the sock. The one I have in my hand right now is the left foot sock, because there are two different charts for yeah. two different socks, so that they come to a point, so they angle across the foot. I'm doing the decrease on the right-hand side of the sock, and then there's a little yarn over to help compensate for that. But other than those 12 stitches, the rest of the sock is just plain stock in it. So I just get through those 12 stitches, which takes no time. And you just whip around. Yep, and it's just, boom, right around. The only hard part is remembering whether it's a plain row or... A pattern row. A pattern, well pattern row, which basically where I do the decrease and the increase, which because it's only one decrease and one increase, not the sort of leafy pattern that was earlier on, it's really easy to get messed up on (laughs) what row I'm on. Don't ask me the number of times I've had to pick back because it's been on the wrong row. So you could feasibly have new socks by the next episode. Oh, I will have new socks. Oh, there you go. They'll be done. Especially because now that they're at the point that they're past the leafy part and I sort of memorize the leafy part anyway. They're definitely something I could do in the bus, which is usually what was keeping them from being done faster because it's kind of hard to have a chart on yeah, the bus. Yeah, people don't like that being stapled to the back of their heads. Yeah. So, you know, you can't utilize the person sitting in front of you and tell them to sit still. Yeah, and not to mention that depending on when you're riding the bus, you might have someone sitting next to you and you can't really knit with your elbows <laughs> pressed into your boobs. And then the other thing I'm still knitting is the Wacky Pants sock, which Yay, I think is just pants. about ready to get its cuff because I'm doing this one from the toe up. And basically, I got a small digital scale yeah. from Dharma Trading and basically... I just plunk the ball of yarn on the scale and see how much I've used. And it's like, okay, it's almost half now. Cast off, cast on the other one. I'm actually going to have... I've got to get one of those. It's actually not going to be strictly half and half. I'm going to leave a little extra for the sock yarn blanket of doom, which at the rate it's going will be done in like 2025. Well, that's mine too. I think I have a whole mm, three squares in it. But today I had adventures in yarn shopping. She's practically glowing, people. (laughs) Because occasionally... Some of us are stuck at work. Well, both the joys and the pains of working part-time. And also working Saturdays. I can some Saturdays. I can whine and bitch all I like. You got to go <laughs> yarn shopping. Well, so I went to Toronto today mainly because every few months I just need to get out of town. It is an actual inner urge or craving that I feel, and usually that means going to Toronto Fair because enough. there are lots of yarn stores. Yes. 
And what did you buy? I got, so I went to the Purple Pearl, which is one of my favorite yarn stores, and I got some Tannis Fiber Art Sock Yarn. Ooh. It's in one of the multicolors that is being discontinued, so I figured, okay, this will this is one skein of yarn I don't have to order before <laughs> August 15th. Ooh, name, name, name. I have a thing oh, for this the is names. the gem colorway. It's purples and blues and Wait a minute, and first pinks. of all it's bejeweled, and now it's gem. Yeah. And... You, somewhere. I like jewel tones. <laughs> Most of my wardrobe is jewel tones. Okay, that's true. So yes, it's purple and pink and blue and so many luscious colors and a little bit of teal and nice and squishy. I keep squeezing it. Well, it's like a stress ball. And then I went to Passionate, which I had actually never been to before, mainly because it is, it's kind of out of the way from some of the other yarn stores. It, thankfully, it is along one subway route, so you don't even really have to change transportation to get there. Okay. Because I don't drive to Toronto. I don't drive generally, but I would even if I did, I'd take the train to Toronto. Yeah, and... for, for those who want to gallivant around the, the knitting stores in Toronto, trying to drive from one to one to one, yeah. that's just asking for an aneurysm. Yeah, it's much easier to just take the train and then go to... Let's see. <laughs> She's grabbing the yarn out of my hands. It's Koigu, dude. So I went to Passionate, and I got some Koigu, because they have quite a lot of it. And you were, yeah, you were saying that they had quite a lot. They had quite a lot of different colors. It was very hard to pick. But I got the Koigu Premium Painter's Palette Merino, which is their sock yarn. And it's, again, sort of a multicolor. It's got blue and green and little splashes of yellow and almost sort of an orangey brown. Yeah, they've got some golden colors and, and some purple. Brown. If anyone wants to look it up online, it's color number P134. I like elephant pajamas. Though there's, even within like their colorways, it still it tends to vary quite a bit. Yeah. There was even a couple at the store that I was really tempted to get, but I thought might be a colorway I already have at home. It doesn't look quite like it, so it could be a different colorway, but it sort of does look like it. And it could be the lighting, it yeah. could be a number of things. And really, and it could be the dyeing for that batch. But I figured even if it's a different colorway, mm -hmm. it looks so much like stuff I have at home, I probably shouldn't get it. And then I also got some Silk Garden Sock. Because, from Noro. From Noro. Because I got some Silk Garden Sock in my Loopy Groupy package when I became a Loopy Groupy at the Loopy U. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking that I could use this colorway, which is, where is it? It's another numbered colorway. But if you'd like to look it up, it's S241, and it's purples and browns, and there's some greens. And varying shades of purple. One's sort of like a very bluey purple. There's another sort of almost magenta purple. So I was thinking of maybe doing like a chevron scarf. Oh, nice. Or something like that. Yeah. Or maybe even like a big shawl or something. Alternating, like doing just two rows of one colorway. The colorway I got in my Loopy Groupy package is very neutral. It's mostly grays and very light blues and sort of off-whites. So this is to offset it? Yeah. So yeah. I wanted something a little brighter or a little more colorful, but not extremely bright like some of their colorways are. I was tempted to get one that was like bright blue and bright pink and bright purple. And I was like, eh, it might be a little too. You could flag down airships with that? Yeah. I already have, I do have a Noro scarf in a colorway like that, but I thought with the neutrals, this one might go better because it's a little bit softer. Okay, now here's the question. The Noro scarf that you have, yeah. what's it made out of? It's made out of Noro crayon. Okay, what's that like against the skin? It is kind of rough. Okay. I have read that if you soak it in vinegar, like vinegar water, I'm not sure what the dilution would be, that it can actually help it. 
Okay. And then if you also if you use wool wash, that sort of stuff will help loosen it up. See, I will confess I've never actually made anything with Norrell yet. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those yarns I haven't gotten around to, but I've also heard a lot about the vegetable matter that was left yeah. in it, and it's not one of the softest, softest yarns, but Noro is well known for its colors. Yeah. It's sort of that trade-off. Like, yeah. it's not terribly soft, but it's also got the really nice it's, colors. Yeah, it's got its reputation for its for its colors. And I don't really have a problem wearing the Noro scarf that I have. It depends on your skin sensitivity. Yeah. And, like I said, if you treat it a certain way when, when washing it, it helps soften it up a bit. I might do a shawl out of it, actually. Maybe just do, like, a triangle shawl, starting at the base of the neck and going out and getting bigger. Right. But with just, like, two rows of one colorway, two rows of the other colorway. And one of the reasons I mentioned the yarn shopping and where I went, I won't name any names, but last week, or the week before, when I was in chapters looking at knitting magazines, one particular magazine, whose name I shall not mention, had an article in it about Toronto yarn stores. I was like, oh, that's awesome. So I went to flip through it to see what they said. And they only mention three yarn stores, but they mention about six places to eat or other kinds of stores. And the one that, the thing that kind of got was they were talking about one yarn store in sort of the eastern side of Toronto. And then they're like, on your way back downtown, stop in Leslieville, where you can eat at these two places. And I'm like, the Purple Pearl is in Leslieville. Yeah. It's like, you're directing people to a specific neighborhood that has a really cool yarn shop. Yeah. What are you doing? It's one of the most well-known stores in in Toronto for knitters. Yeah. And is not mentioned at all. Nitty has their... Their round tables, right? Yeah, Nitty has their round tables there. It's like, what are you doing? Like, I could see... Of course, you can't mention every yarn store in Toronto, because there is a lot of yarn stores in Toronto. Oh, God, Toronto is heaven for yarn stores. Especially even, you can just go down one street to Queen Street, and there's, like, five, at least, on Queen Street, when you count both Queen Street East and Queen Street West. So I can see them not mentioning, you know, every yarn store. But, like, when you're mentioning more... Restaurants. Restaurants or other stores to go to than actual yarn stores... I just get this image of somebody saying, Honey, I'm going out yarn shopping and coming back with shoes and um, T-shirts and groceries. I don't know, man. I don't know. But one thing I was going to mention because of this is if you don't already know about this, this is the most awesome thing ever. Um, and I know they say about a lot of, that about a lot of stuff, but it's up there on the list. It's a website called knitmap.com. K-N-I-T-M-A-P.com. And basically what you do, it's like Google Maps for yarn stores. You put in your location or a location and it will bring up a page with little flags pointing to all the yarn stores that they have in their database in that area. It's your survival IV. Yeah. And you can click on each one of them. They will usually have the hours, but it depends on who put it in. And it might be out of date, so you might want, you know, you'd want to double check the hours before you do that. And it also has visitor reviews on it. Okay. Um, it'll have links Helpful. to their website. Yeah. If, they yeah. have, if they have a website, it'll have links to their website. Um, it You can check off certain things. Like you can select yarn stores that are open on certain days or at certain times. So if you know if you're going to be available to go yarn shopping at, say, 3 o'clock on a Sunday, you can click on the buttons to select yarn stores that are open at that time. You can also select stuff for spinning supplies, other things like that. But I've used it quite a few times when I've been going somewhere, like going on vacation. Actually, I think the first thing I did when my mother asked me, hey, do you want to go to Savannah in March? Was go on Knit Map and see what yarn stores are in Savannah. (laughs) 
I knew other stuff in Savannah I wanted to go to and see, and, you know, there was other stuff I was looking forward to, but this is an important thing to know. Vacation yarn. And I think I used it to map out my plan of attack for when I was in New York <laughs> a few years ago. It's like, where's all the yarn stores? How do I get there? What are the reviews? Gosh, in New York of all places. Mm-hmm. And that was the trip where I... you started your Central Park hoodie yeah. in Central Park. Yeah, because I'm a dork like that. Yeah, well. I also got my... One of the things I got on that trip was... I found the perfect fall leaf color yarn, okay. which I had been looking for, which was Koigu. Fine. You get to go trot around Toronto and... Anytime you want to go, uh, yeah, yeah. I am totally up for it. Yeah, and yeah. I know how to get to every yarn store via the TTC, so... Yeah, well... I will be your Sherpa. You got to go traipse around Toronto. Dresden loves me. I got to spend time with Dresden because <laughs> I got the book. Geek squeeze! Oh, freak me. W-T-F-O-M-G. I am not going to spoil it for anybody who out there is reading the series. I'm just going to say that every time I open the book, I say within the first chapter of reading, oh my god, Harry, you are totally bleeped. You are boned. Yeah, at your foobard. And (laughs) this time... My husband came in, basically told me, you know, it's time to put the book down, it's time to go to sleep. And I pretty much ignored him. And (laughs) he looks at me again and says, is it really that good? And I sort of looked up, I gestured towards it, and went, I get... That's all I can say. That poor guy goes from bad to worse. He is the poster boy of the TV Tropes page for, and then it got worse. Yes, he (laughs) is. And and the sad sad thing is that he knows it too. He says that you you don't hand the universe lines like, what can go wrong because the universe is always <laughs> what listening. could possibly go wrong yeah because the universe is always listening oh my god i've had i've wanted to cry i've wanted to throw things i wanted to give harry big squishy hugs and a mug of hot chocolate <laughs> i <sighs> okay i'm not finished it yet i'm about halfway through i'm somewhere in chapter 27 if i'm correct and uh um, so no posting spoilers in the comments yeah well <laughs> I'll probably post when I finish it, so anybody who wants to message me, we can talk about it, but no, I will not spoil it for anybody else. I'm just going through it going, oh my god, oh my god, oh, 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 crap. It's riveting. It's fantastic. It's painful and horrible in the good way. Yeah. And wondering how you're, how the hell the creator is going to get him out of this mess. At this point, I don't know, and I just need a cigarette. And I don't smoke. I need a martini and a cigarette and probably some private time. Usually there's other reasons for needing some private time and a cigarette. Uh, talk about Sock Summit while I converse with myself in my head. Okay, Sock Summit this week, which we are sadly not at. Boo. 2013, maybe? 2013? What's wrong with 2012? But they didn't have one last year. They had one in 2009 and 2011. You're right, you're right. I would assume the next one would be. You are right. Especially considering the amount of work it seems to take. You're correct, yes. From looking at the Yarn Harlow Harlow. Tweets. Okay, so we'll, we will target that. But you had something on special on Sock Summit. Yeah, this is pretty cute. The mayor of the city of Portland proclaimed July 25th to the 31st of the year 2011, so basically this week that has just passed, as Sock Knitting Week. And it's complete with the seal and everything, <laughs> and he encouraged people to learn to knit or crochet socks That's at the bottom awesome. of it. That is all kinds of cool. Also, this isn't exactly a secret. It's, it's kind of one of those, shh, it's a secret, written 
in the sky. There is going to be a flash mob. By the time you hear this, the flash mob will have already happened. Yeah. But there's going to be a flash mob, and you can see the practice routines on the Sock Summit website. It's pretty, <laughs> it looks pretty fun, and everybody's dancing with a skein of yarn in their hand. That's awesome. No joke. Also, a Guinness World Record was set for most people knitting simultaneously. The number was 937. They all had to be knitting continuously for 15 minutes, mm-hmm. and they could not use circulars. That was kind of cool. And after that, started looking into the classes. Yeah, I took a look at some of the classes that they had on the website, and we found a couple that just sounded amusing or interesting. <laughs> I found one by a teacher named Deb Barnfield, which is called Toe-Up Socks for the Stubborn. I like that one, mainly because I'm a toe-up sock enabler. Yeah, you are. Not that I am militantly toe-up, because obviously, because I'm doing the Aphrodite socks, which are leg down, but I do tend to prefer those. So whenever someone's like, oh, not sure about knitting socks toe up i'm usually like i can totally show you how to do it it's fun jump up and down cheerleader style you can totally do this you can do it the class that i saw that caught my eye was the story socks basically you tell a story or a sentiment with the socks that you're knitting and it's by deb aquardi and it re- sort of reminded me of the stole unit for harry potter yeah because every part <laughs> of it w- had a reason behind the stitch pattern that was used Yep. And the uh, knitters are asked when, by the time they get to class to have a sort of intent in mind, either a person to make it for or a story in mind. And they're going to be going over lots of stitch dictionaries and graph paper and whatnot to get all of their... Basically what you did yeah. was trying to get all of the stitches to work from one into the other and each stitch mm-hmm. will represent a part of the story that they're going. So I'm, I'm thinking this is, pretty, this is pretty neat. I wonder if you could tell the stories of Cinderella and... Snow White and Red Riding Hood and Sock. Probably. Probably, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if someone's already done it. There's probably like a Rule 34 of knitting. Yeah, probably. If you mention it, there is, well, maybe not porn of it, but... (laughs) I lost the game. Aw, damn it, Maggie! And now you all lost the game, too. (laughs) But yes, (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if there's some already out there. Because like I was saying, if you mention it... It's there somewhere. It will spring into existence on the internet somewhere. There is also an interesting class on the psychology of color. And I'm a big color fiend. I have two degrees in in the arts. And literally, I could stand in front of, you know, those big makeup displays at department stores. I could stand in front of the eyeshadow displays and just find myself in this little crystalline gem of whirlwind color and just stand there. And basically, my husband has to sort of blind me and then turn my shoulders and walk me out of the store. Well, it does make sense, too, because I know with me, and with the writer of a blog that I was looking at this week, we both sort of felt this need sort of in late winter to knit something with bright colors. Like, I think that's when I started working on the spring forward socks in Mm -hmm. the wet coast winter, which is all like these bright springy colors. Yeah. Because after looking at brown and gray and dead plants and everything outside and different shades of gray five months you need color blue gray silver gray white gray slushy gray dark gray more gray grass brown tree brown dirty snow brown and then too like there's been studies done on how color affects people yeah how color affects their emotions like 
What color should the walls in hospitals be? Right. What color should the walls in offices be? Or schools or things like that? Because we have this sometimes conscious, sometimes subconscious reaction to different colors. It was told to me once in color theory, all of the fast food chain restaurants will incorporate orange into their uh, logo and their interior design design because it makes you hungry. And if you think about it, McDonald's, Burger King, Mm -hmm. Taco Hell, all of those places, all those fast food places that you can think of, they have orange in them. In some cases I'm thinking of it's the awful 70s orange. Yeah. That's as much because of the color that was popular when they built the place. But yeah, I can totally see that being an interesting subject for Sock Summit, even for the humble sock. Speaking of which, one of the other classes that I saw that looked interesting was by Anna Zilborg, who was doing the deeper meaning of sock knitting. More of a lecture than a class, obviously. But there is a lot of things to discuss in that sense about, especially socks. Because like I said, the humble sock. I mean, every sock knitter has probably been asked at some point, why knit socks? (laughs) You can buy a pack of four of them for 10 bucks at Walmart. So not the point. Yeah. Well, even just thinking about it ourselves, I mean, and discussing it at knit night the other night, you know, people came up with a lot of things. Like, there's the practical aspects of knitting socks. Like, you know, they're small, so they don't take very long. So you or try, you know, wacky patterns or more complicated patterns like cookie A socks. Yeah. Like, something like cookie A socks, you wouldn't want to do them on an entire sweater. I'm, Some not, of them, I'm not trying to imagine a cookie A sweater in my brain. It would be the most beautiful and awesome thing ever. But, I mean, it would take longer. You have to invest a lot more money in yarn for yeah. sweaters. Socks are highly portable for as knitting projects. You can practice with all kinds of yarns and stitches and patterns. And, honestly, I, everybody I've made socks for said that they're warmer than anything that they bought in stores. Oh, yeah. Like, I only wear hand-knit socks in the winter because yeah. I take the bus everywhere, which means standing at the bus stop in the snow. And I've noticed that if I don't wear hand-knit socks, my feet are that much colder, even with, like, good winter boots. And plus, they are just an extra little bit of luxury that maybe you're the only one that knows about it, Yeah, but it's still there. I mean, I like wearing them with my black or charcoal gray dress pants and my black Mary Janes, and there's this little explosion of color on me. Yeah. It's sort of like the whole sexy lingerie thing, you know, where you can be wearing something very business appropriate or, you know, something very comfortable or whatever on the outside, but, you know, you know that underneath you are wearing extremely sexy lingerie. The, the red lace. It puts a little spring in your step or a twitch in your hip or whatever you want to call it, depending <laughs> on what kind of lingerie you wear. And then when I was looking at the description of it, it said that she was going to touch on some of the sociological aspects of it too. So you have the whole like sock knitting craze thing. I yeah. mean, look at the fact there's an entire convention, convention going on right now about socks Yeah. with like hundreds or even a couple thousand people attending, which I know about this one, but I know for the first one, the classes sold out in minutes. I think the first one, I actually was reading the Yarn Harlot's blog about the first one, and servers went down. Yeah, the servers crashed. I think she said they had servers that would handle 30,000 hits yeah. at one time. Their servers, so there were more than 30,000 hits Their servers all at blew once. out both turboprop, hit Mayday, and fell. I mean, if you don't knit socks, you might see someone at your knitting group, or in public, or at the yarn store working on socks. A lot of people I know just were kind of curious once they <laughs> saw the socks, because, you you know, then they were thinking, okay, well, how do you turn the heel and make it? Yeah, I remember a friend of mine saying, well, it's basically a tube, right? I'm like, well, no. Tube with a bend. Yes, it's a tube with 
a sort of bend and a sort of... Never mind. Yes, it's a kind of tube, but not really. Well, I mean, you can knit them as a tube, though they don't fit quite as nicely or feel quite as, as nice. Because then you have too much material on one side. One side, yeah. And not enough material on the other. Though then the, the good thing is you can just sort of turn them around and wear through them at different spots. But it's just it, one of those things, it's a new challenge. It's something different. Once you see someone knitting something like that, you think of the more practical reasons. Right. Or the artistic reasons, for that matter. You might see someone knitting a coquille sack, a sock, and want to do it. Or you might see someone knitting any of the other gorgeous sock patterns out there. It could be just, you know, what knitters have, which is sockitis, where somebody sees you knitting a pair of socks, and they're like, that is beautiful. I've got to make one of the, a set of those. Yeah. It's sort of a chicken and the egg thing. Well, I'm sure the, the sock knitting craze started before the sock yarn craze. But at this point in time, if you have a new sock knitter, it's sort of an equal thing, too, of people seeing the gorgeous sock yarns out yeah. there. Especially all the gorgeous hand-painted, hand-pained sock stuff yarns. That's available now. And wanting something to do with it. And then one of the other things she's, it mentioned she was going to talk about was the political aspects, which I think might have something to do with the whole handmade versus mass-produced sort of thing, the whole ethics of buying socks yeah. that were probably you know made in a sweatshop somewhere. And so buying yarn and needles and patterns to support artisans and mm-hmm. local independent companies and dyers. Yeah, local yarn shops. So that brings in a little bit of a twist to it, though, considering the number of independent dyers that have businesses on the internet. Yeah, that's true. So you sort of have to balance the whole independent with not necessarily local. Local, yeah. Though, looking at Your my spoils from today, sometimes... You, you did pretty good. I, I don't think the locals really have to worry too much about my yarn shopping on the internet, <laughs> because I am more than eager to do both. Supporting the economy. Yep, in my own little way. But yeah. And then there's the whole statement of, like, you know, what we value. Like, the value of handmade items Yeah. in today's society. Especially for something that's as much useful as decorative. Because, I mean, there's certain socks, there's some socks that are definitely decorative. They're also useful though. But a lot of times people will see just the useful part and think, why bother? Like, there's the whole debate about valuing your time yeah. in creating an item. Okay, yeah. Which we can totally get, we can do an entire podcast discussion some other time, so we won't get into it too much here. And even how that differs between, say, like, a handmade table versus a handmade pair of socks. And the whole difference between stuff that is generally seen as male quote-unquote crafts and female crafts. She would probably go back into uh, knitting during the wars as well mm-hmm. for the history of socks and whatnot. And because um, knitting was a political action during the the wars, even yeah. like the Civil War, both sides were encouraging well, mostly women. You know, men knit too, obviously. But I, I remember seeing a picture of there were soldiers in hospital. Yep, one was knitting while in bed. I mean, if you couldn't serve your country on the lines, he was yeah. encouraged to knit for those who could. And if you were too injured to not be able to manage the knitting, you held up the skein in your hands for other people to wind. Yeah, or I saw one recently actually that was a picture from the First World War of two soldiers. One was knitting by hand, another one was using a sock machine to make socks. And of course a lot of that effort was wrapped up in patriotism. Yeah, there's a lot of material that could be covered in that lecture. Wow. Yeah. Oh, Sock Summit, where art thou? I would love to attend said lecture. Sadly, we are still here. And then a couple of, speaking of another convention. As most people might have seen if they went to the blog, I posted some links to descriptions of things that went on at Comic-Con. The two that I posted, I linked to the individual blogs comingsoon.net and toplessrobot.com. I I linked to their Comic-Con tag, so under that should be all the articles. 
I think with ComingSoon.net, the ones that would still be close to the top are their roundup posts. If you want to see an overview of the news with links to more specific articles, there's a lot there. But I haven't checked out a lot of stuff from Comic-Con, mainly because I haven't had a chance to look through the overviews yet to see if there's anything that I didn't know about that sounds awesome. And then the one thing that I really do want to see, I'm kind of scared <laughs> to look at, because there was a panel for the TV show Castle. Right. Which I love. Who wouldn't love the Fillion? Yes, it's Nathan Fillion, geek god. But the problem is, with the way things were left at the end of the last season, and I won't say anything because I don't want to spoil anyone, even though for the most part on this podcast, I think we'll be talking about stuff where we could reasonably talk about spoilers, but part of me really doesn't want to because I really enjoy it when people I know who haven't seen something watch it. Yeah. And I get to see their reaction to what happens. But yes, considering what happened at the end of the last season, I'm kind of scared to watch the panel and especially the clip they have from the premiere. Part of me really wants to see it because, oh my god, I want Newcastle. But then part of me doesn't want to see it because the video that has the clip in it, before the video loaded, I was looking at the comments and people were freaking the hell out in the comments. I was like, oh crap, maybe I don't want to see this. Because I don't know if I want to stress myself out or be like, oh my god, I want to see more this far ahead of the premiere. You don't know if you want a taste of that crazy soup yet. Yes. I had bowls upon bowls of that crazy soup when I watched 24 from yeah. week to week. And while that stress and that excitement and that nervousness was, for most of the show's run, a good thing, and you kind of enjoy it in a kind of masochistic sort of way, when I stopped watching the show, after it completely pissed me off, it was kind of nice to not have that stress anymore. <laughs> I should be able to watch this clip, but part of me is still like, I don't want to think about the stress and everything at this point. I'll just be like, la 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 la. Can you use your Snape stole as a, an emotional security blanket? Possibly. <laughs> just a suggestion. I might want to consider that. And lots of chocolate. And then also on a lighter note from the castle panel, I saw an article the other day, which I'll link to. Molly Quinn who plays the title character, Richard Castle's daughter, she showed up to the panel dressed as Captain, Captain Mal. Mal. It was awesome. I think this picture has been circulating around a bunch of message boards and around the internet. It just sounds like... Did, was it was there a reaction? Like I said, I haven't seen the video oh, yet. Okay, I have okay. to watch it. Though from what I read and the little capture and pictures they had on the article, it looks like everybody just went nuts, which I totally can't blame them for. I could just see Nathan going, that's my girl. She probably just Stole it off the wardrobe people <laughs> at Castle because Nathan Fillion has shown up in that outfit in Castle no. before. Yes! Halloween episode! The show is riddled with Firefly jokes. And this one was like one of the biggest and most obvious. I'll find it on YouTube and link it. Yeah. Because it was awesome. Oh god. But, oh yeah. It's just one of the many Firefly jokes. So she, I, wouldn't, I would imagine she could even just borrow, have borrowed it off the costume people. Oh, and then speaking of costumes too, something I showed Maggie last week but we didn't have time to cover. On FlavorWire.com, they have an article there called Reinterpreting Disney Princess Costumes Through a Historical Lens. Yeah. It's really neat. Basically someone's, what someone's done is they've looked at the at the movies and the, what they've done is they've looked at some of the Disney princess movies and looked at the setting, what other characters are wearing, and someone has redrawn the costumes. For the princess dresses. Yeah. Like the, their, their icon dresses. Yeah. Like Belle's yellow Big ball gown. Yellow, yeah. 
from Beauty and the Beast, but to fit a certain historical period that she's sort of decided fits the movie. Right. One of the ones with the biggest changes is Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. yeah. Because in it, a character actually says something about it being the 14th century. Yeah, Prince Philip says it's the 14th century. So she actually drew what Sleeping Beauty's dress should look like in the 14th century. Which is not the hourglass dress that... No, which is not the dress that she has in the movie. Not the hourglass dress with the the off-the-shoulder... No. But it's still fast it's still fantastic artwork, beautifully rendered, beautifully colored, and obviously a lot of historical research has gone into it. And it's really neat hearing her descriptions about how she arrived on that design and in some cases the time period. Speaking of websites, one of the other websites that we found that is fantastically knitting, geeky, and steampunk. If you're into any and all of those things, get a pencil and paper and write this down. This is the Dignified Adventures of the Ladies of Mischief. That would be theladiesofmischief.wordpress.com. Go there, have a look, and it is about all things crafting. It does specialize in some knitting, but it seems to feature a collection of ladies of a steampunk exploratory genre, as in mm-hmm. they're all intelligent female characters of a doctor this and a, do- a doctor that or a reader this, and they all have their nuances, their niches, and their specializations, but in that Victorian lady flair kind of way. For example, the captain of the airship uses a scented handkerchief in the helium tank to help identify air leaks. That's awesome. Not to mention giving the general atmosphere a very pleasant scent. Yeah, and a lot of the blog is these letters or sort of diary entries of these fictitious women doing things. So it's a mixture of fiction and craftiness and steampunkery. It's good reading. I'm trying to savor each lady as I go through them. Okay, that just sounds all kinds of wrong. Never mind. But we highly recommend this site. Go check it out. I do not think you'll be disappointed. I've signed up for the mailing list myself. I think it'll be great. And I actually found it because they have a Kickstarter campaign to do a book. Oh, that's what they've been talking about. It'll be a combination of fiction and knitting patterns developed. Ooh, that sounds delicious. They have a couple patterns on Ravelry, not from not necessarily from the book, but from the blog right now. Especially with that steampunk style they have, that could be so visually fantastic. Oh, yeah. And it looks really neat. And for those that don't know what it is, Kickstarter is basically a means for businesses, small businesses especially, to raise money from backers or to find backers. But it's sort of like a micro-lending site like Kiva where people can join with other people each one only lending like 25 bucks to make a group loan of like say $100 right to a entrepreneur somewhere in the world this is like that you can back them to the tune of like $10 or $20 or $30 or whatever and basically add those add those all up to the money that they could use to start their business and usually with Kickstarter there's often sort of incentives to go with it so like for this one if you pledge like $50 you get a signed copy or going up to some of the larger ones, which was like, for people in the Seattle area where they're based, they could have an entire high tea hosted by the lady. Oh, fabulous. Which would be awesome. Oh, God, yes. And I know cooperative uh, a press. steampunk 
high T knit group. I oh, know. Wow. That would stop traffic. I'd love to see it happen in an actual tea shop. And to wind up Geek Squee for this episode, I'm jumping onto the bandwagon and I've become a fangirl for the Big Bang Theory. I think Leonard's fantastic and I would jump on him like a toddler on a trampoline. You'd hit that like the fist of an angry god. <clears throat> Let's move along before my husband starts listening to this podcast. <laughs> before he starts getting jealous. Yeah, whatever. Okay, so, covets, crushes, and all those other yummy things. Hi, Leonard. While you're distracted. Yeah. Cravings, covets, and crushes. I've actually got a designer this time who some people might already know about this person. If you don't, you must go and see her stuff. She goes by Glenna C online. Her blog is called Knitting to Stay Sane and it's at crazyknittinglady.wordpress.com. She's Canadian and she's done a lot of geeky designs. And just recently she's blogged about her newest set of designs, which are all based on Firefly. I like that she used the uh, Captain Tight Pants yarn there. Yeah, the Indigo Dragonfly Captain Tight Pants. Yeah. Yeah, she's done three sock patterns for it so far. The first one's called Oh Captain, My Captain, which is obviously based off of Captain Mal. There's another one called K Winnet for Kaylee. And then there's one called Companion for Inara. And it is gorgeous. The Companion one uses these really nice twisted stitch cables and beads and they just look so luxurious. It does. It, it definitely looks opulent. And then for Kaylee's socks, it's really neat because she used a combination of uh, kind of rib, which is sort of utilitarian, as well as a little frilliness up at the top, which is so like Kaylee, considering she's the mechanic of the ship, but she also loves her frilly and her pink. And then for Mal, she uses these broken cables for obvious metaphorical reasons. And they all look so nice. Yeah, they do. And if you haven't seen your, her stuff, you should also check out, she did a series of Buffy-inspired patterns for Indigo Dragonfly. And she also did one design that one of our friends knit, and which has been on the queue for a number of the rest of us, because she designed the Viper Pilot oh, socks. Oh, wow, those. Which a bunch of the Battlestar Galactica fans yeah. really we want to knit. But yeah, so she has a lot of really geeky patterns. And she also has a lot of really nice non-geeky patterns. I have lusted after her Royale sweater for quite a while. She uses a lot of the small twisted stitch cables, which I absolutely love. <laughs> Because when you knit a cable using a single knit stitch and you twist the knit stitch, it just makes it pop that much more. And it looks so crisp and neat. And the way they twine around each other is so awesome. No, Karen's not a perfectionist. Not when it comes to cables. No, not at all. But yes, I love how they look and I really want to do half her patterns. <laughs> I started crushing on a pattern that started going around my friends on Ravelry. And then I realized we had mentioned it on the last podcast. It's in the Interweave Knits, their preview. But the thing is, it's the Dahlia Cardigan by Heather, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing your surname correctly, so forgive me, Heather Zopetti. It features a beautiful floral design on the back that's centered on the back panel. But the preview image does not show that feature. It shows a side view that looks like a sleeve and it's a little bit slumpy around the front. The preview image doesn't show the beautiful lacework of the back, which to me is the main attraction. So if you have sort of pushed the interweave preview to the side, go on to Ravelry and find the patterns there just so that yeah. you can get multiple images to look, look at them because if some of my friends hadn't queued this, I never would have known about it. And it's a beautiful cardigan. Yeah, and that's the Fall 2011 
interweave knits yeah. issue. And yeah, because that's the one I mentioned last week where I said I looked at the preview and didn't really see much that had really caught my eye, but then I would take a look at the magazine when it came out to see if other pictures yeah. maybe caught my eye. And that that's is a, a perfect example. Yeah, it's an example of it right there. Of why I'm not discounting the issue just yet. But it is a really beautiful cardigan. Yeah, it is. Not like I need to queue any more of those. By the way, guys, we now have a Ravelry group. Yay! Enough of you have asked for one, so we said, oh, what the heck? Let's let's give this a shot. So we actually do have a group on Ravelry now. It's under knit one geek two. Spaces in between the words and the numbers. Just as you would imagine to type it out. So go ahead, join, have fun, talk about what you're knitting, and what other men you would jump like a trampoline. Or a woman, for that matter. Yep, and uh, furthering more news, um, we do have a donation button on on the podcast now, and we solemnly swear on our stash of Malabrigo, it will be used to the podcast's best advantage. Yes. As in a better microphone. Better microphone is up on the list, basically. That's the first thing. We solemnly swear we will not spend it on dancing boys and beer. Aww. We could spend it on hookers and vodka. Okay. Okay, everybody, I think that's it for this round. So, everybody, let us know more about your projects. Uh, let us know how things are going in the geek world. If you're at Sock Summit, if you've come out of Comic-Con alive, bearing new spandex and capes and helmets and other such things. And everybody behave yourself or don't, and make sure to include pictures. Especially if it's the don't. Especially if it's the don't. We want pictures. Yeah, okay, I think I need more lemon cake now. Yes, me too. Okay, so bye-bye. Have a week, guys. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to see our show notes or comment on our blog, you can find it at knit1geek2.mtpockets.org. That's K-N-I-T-1-G-E-E-K-2 dot M-T dash P-O-C-K-E-T-S dot O-R-G. Or you can email us at knit1geek2 at gmail.com. Thanks and have a good week.